FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Joining us uh, is uh, Professor Jonathan Reinhold. He's the head of uh, political studies at uh, Barilan University. And we wanted to talk about the impact of the war on the Saudi-Israel normalization. I've read a few in a few places that according to the United States, the war was prompted but in part by the by this move towards agreement, I find it uh, well. I would like to understand a little bit more because, given the amount of planning that had gone into the war, uh, is that necessarily the case? Professor Jonathan Reinhold, a very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm well, thank you. In answer to your question, mm-hmm. um, one has to distinguish between the strategic objectives of Hamas and of Iran. Um, which is behind the planning of this operation, and that is to destroy the state of Israel and to undermine its citizens' faith that the state can protect them and therefore break Israeli society and then break the state. That is the strategic objective. And then one has to think about the timing of this particular attack. And it's here that the issue of Saudi Arabia comes in, because it's clear that not only for Israel and for Saudi Arabia, but also for the United States, this is an important thing. And it was getting traction and moving forward. This is important for two reasons and threatening to Iran and Hamas for two reasons. First of all, it's threatening because in power terms, in terms of military power, political power, economic power, the coming together of Israel and Saudi Arabia shifts the balance of power in the Middle East against uh, forces like Hamas and Iran, particularly when America, as part of any deal, would become much more committed to Saudi Arabia's security, of which, of course, Iran is the major Mm, threat. mm. But on another level, It's threatening to Iran and Hamas because Saudi Arabia is the leading Muslim state. It is the protector of the holy places. And if Saudi Arabia makes peace with Israel, it presents and gives legitimacy and prestige to a version of Islam which can make peace with Israel. And that takes away Hamas and Iran's ability to represent Islam to the world, which gives them a lot of power to define Mm. what it means Mm. to be a Muslim. And in particular, if you're a Shia state like Iran, you cannot easily garner sympathy and support in a predominantly Sunni Arab Middle East unless you have a common enemy like Israel. So all of these things come together uh, to make now a good time, in inverted commas, for Hamas to strike. The the one thing that that uh, that I keep looking at here is doesn't it doesn't the war force alliances, which is what we're seeing. So we're seeing Russia, Iran, Hamas, uh, perhaps on the one side we're seeing the United States, Israel, Great Britain, and possibly. Saudi Arabia. So doesn't this war in fact ask of Saudi Arabia where of itself where it stands with us now? Uh, surely this would push them closer to Israel and the United States 
and not away from it? And even if it doesn't, isn't that a risk? So the Saudis will be hoping that Israel destroys Hamas. Right. Um, they have made some statements to that effect, but not that many. Basically, Hamas is an arm of the Muslim Brotherhood, which represents a threat to the Saudi regime. They would like to dethrone the Saudi royal family and take over. So there's no doubt that, you know, Saudi Arabia knows which side it's on. The issue for them is that Muslim solidarity and Arab solidarity means, of course, that there's a lot of sympathy for the Palestinians. So they would ideally like to keep a low profile now. But if Israel does succeed in destroying and dethroning Hamas, then the Saudis could use the reconstruction of Gaza and their involvement in that to and by showing their largesse financially and, and representing and helping the Palestinian people, not Hamas, the Palestinian mm, people in mm. Gaza, that could be a way in for them to actually move forward with Israel on the normalization process, because then they would be able to be to show that they're not only doing what's good for Saudi Arabia, but they're doing what's good for other Arabs and Muslims as well. How is it that Iran has managed to almost whitewash its involvement in this uh, or, or, or at least allow itself to be ignored when we see pro-Hamas marches around the world? How, how do reasonable people who are well aware of, uh, of Iran's abuse of its own people, including women, uh, how are they able to ignore it when it comes to Israel or anti-Israel um, sentiment? Okay, so there's two two answers to that. First of all, um, you know, why? How do the governments look at it? And secondly, how do the publics look at it? So, from the point of view of Israel and the United States, it's preferable now not to escalate the conflict so that Israel would have to fight on two fronts with Hezbollah and and uh, Hamas. And for America, it would be three fronts because they're, they, they're, they're very engaged in Taiwan, they're very engaged with the Ukraine, and they're very engaged already with Hamas, right? Mm. So mm. their reserves, their ability to act in, in lots of different theaters because it could encourage other people. But... Their presence here is designed to deter Iran. That's the message. So it's sending a quiet message, you know, that if you try anything, we will be there with Israel. But it's not trying to stir up Iranian involvement. It wants to keep it quiet. If it was to start accusing Iran publicly and making that focus, that would then escalate the situation. So that's governments. As for publics, um, I think one has to distinguish between large numbers of people who quietly are sympathetic to Israel and its predicament and a minority that are vocal and far more active. So they have more, more, they make more noise and therefore they have more influence who are just hostile to the basic values of a free society. So for them, Iran isn't the problem. 
democracy is the problem. Mm. Um, freedom is the problem. And, of course, there are many people who, you know, are indifferent and don't know in the middle as well. Absolutely. And uh, certainly it's something that is fascinating. We do need to leave it there, but certainly we will keep an eye on the story. I think it's a very important part of the whole dynamic in that area. Professor Jonathan Reinold, he's a head of political studies department at Barilan University.